Hey, what's up, everybody? It's KT Temple on, I guess we're just sticking with the KT Temple podcast for right now. I still haven't come up with a good name, but I am here with Matt Perry. Matt Perry is a very successful real estate agent. He's an investor. He's got his own team. He's running his own market centers. And so I brought him on today to just talk about his journey, what uh, what has led him to this career, and how has he become so successful? So thanks for joining me, Matt. Absolutely, KT. Thanks so much for having me today. So just to get started, tell people a little bit about yourself and what you're doing right now. Yeah, so you kind of went over some of the work stuff. Uh, got a couple of market centers I invested in, running the Perry Group here in the Raleigh-Durham area. And uh, we also have a title venture and a mortgage venture. And uh, when I'm not doing all that, I'm hanging out with my three beautiful daughters and my lovely wife, Devin. So that's, uh, that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. And Matt's also an investor in the market center I currently work at. So yep. uh, technically, this this is like my own boss I'm talking to right now. So how did you how did you get to real estate? What were you doing prior to that? So I actually came out of NC State uh, teaching high school, coaching basketball. So I taught math, AP statistics, um, and really loved it. And my wife, uh, Devin, was very successful in real estate. She had done that out of college and was very successful in the new construction world. So she actually got me one summer looking for a job into new construction. And then once I did it for a couple of weeks, I just was like, I got to, I got to go into this. I just really loved it. So, um, so did that after a couple of years of teaching and coaching, got into real estate. So that was 2006. So I've been in the business for uh, about 16, 17 years at this point. So how's that first year in real estate? You know, um, one of the biggest blessings I look back on is that I was, I came into real estate in the middle of a shift. So uh, Devin had actually sold in kind of like a really increasing market from like 02 to 06. You know, everybody's going on trips and much easier to sell. Everybody's buying real estate. And so when I came in, it was right when, if you look back, right when the, the market shifted and things really took a downturn from like 06, 07 down to, you know, 2011. That being my first couple of years was actually a huge blessing because it's all about the habits we develop. And so I really look back and realized that I got to develop a lot of uh, habits, you know, maybe I wouldn't have chosen that path if I had the opportunity, but it was a blessing because I was able to learn how to grind. And for me, real estate was doing what I had to do to be successful in 07. And then those same activities translated into more success once the market turned and you had the market behind you, you know, um, on top of what you're doing. So um, I would definitely encourage anybody to read the shift book because it talks a lot about what those tactics were, gets into the details. But that's that in essence, that's what I was doing was the things in the shift book. I just didn't know at the time that's what I was doing. So yeah, which which specific habits are you talking about? Uh, mostly around lead gen, you know, like deals weren't just coming straight to you. So you had to go out and find the business. So just developing the habit of, you know, getting on the phone daily and reaching out to to people that you know, and finding out how you can help them, you know, and much like teaching, it's just a matter of you're just in the business of helping people. And um, one of the big, biggest purchases or biggest investments they're going to make. So I just really loved that connection. And um, but you know, you have to talk to a lot of people to find people that need your help on, on for that at that moment. It might be you're also planting seeds for down the road future business uh, at the same time, but to find now business, you've got to talk to a lot of people. So just developing the habits of making lead gen part of your daily activities and not letting other things get scheduled over that. Um, and I, like I said, I didn't, I wasn't that smart. I just accidentally learned it the hard way because that was what was required. And then looking back, that's really what I was doing. So awesome. So what, in those first few years, what challenges were you facing? Um, I think like any of us, a lot of it comes down to who you surround yourself with matters. So um, if you're an individual agent, it comes down to, you know, 
what kind of office are you in? What kind of support do you have from the, the leadership and all the, the talent that runs that office? Um, that could also mean what who you surround yourself with, with your vendors and your partners, because they're part of your team. Um, so just learning that being around the best people is really uh, important. So um, and then obviously when you when you go to create a team, it's even more important because now you're choosing people to go into the, tent, you know, the trenches with you daily. So, you know, just picking the right people and really making sure you surround yourself with with top people and also getting to know people like what you're doing here is a great strategy. And I applaud you because you want to get to know people that have done it at a higher level and just learn from them. And I did that a lot. I was I'm big on education. So another, I guess, strategy that I used was just to stay learning based. You know, I'm, I was never too busy to go to a class and learn. Um, a lot of times it had to do with the instructor. Um, you know, one of my mentors was your dad, Kent Temple. So going and listening to him in a class, even if I'd taken the class before, there was so many, you you don't, you know, that, that saying like the same man doesn't walk through the same river ever twice, you know, like me going in there, I was a different student. I, I had different challenges at that time taking classes and then he's teaching different things. So I'm, I'm, different things are resonating. So just really doubling down on that. And that that's continued for me, um, getting ready to start my 12th bold. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a slow learner, but I'm not that slow. I just, you know, I know that that, that sharpens the sword. So I focus on, on making education part of my, you know, more my, um, weekly and, and daily activities. So. So can you tell people what bold is in case they don't know? If you don't know, bold is a, um, kind of a mindset in, in prospecting uh, class that, that uh, Keller Williams offers. It's kind of like our premier class and it's a seven week course and really gets into making you a better person as well as a better, better agent. Um, and I've gotten a lot more out of it personally than, than anything else. Um, so it's, it's highly, highly, highly recommended. Obviously I wouldn't be taking the time to invest my time for the 12th time if it wasn't, you know, a tremendous life-changing class. So, so yeah, I think, I think those are two things I kind of just, I struggled with, but also learned from, which was stay learning based. You never know it all. You can always learn from somebody. And, and I say that whether they're doing more or less production. I've learned a lot of things from people that are doing, you know, less production. Production is just a number. It's not about that. But just be open to there's always different and better ways to do things. And, you know, just hearing hearing what other people are doing and, and taking the little nuggets that you can implement in your life and in your business is huge. And then and so how, how big is your team now, by the way? So my team right now is nine people. Um, so we have five agents, four admin. We will, uh, we should hit a hundred million this year. Um, and about, we've been doing 200 transactions for about eight years running now, give or take. Um, so in between like 190 and 220 for about. And how did years. you know to really start hiring for that team? Um, probably the biggest challenge is, is that first hire. Cause you're taking that leap into, you know, relying on somebody else full time. Um, I think you have to start with uh, getting the people around you that are contractors, whether that's like, okay, I don't need to take the pictures. I can get a photographer. You know, I don't need to measure. I can get somebody else to measure. Maybe it's dropping off your signs and then you can move into transaction coordination and having somebody else leveraging that piece. So leverage is a huge, huge thing to understand and be able to implement to build a team. So if you understand that um, you can't be the best at everything and being a jack of all trades is, is a really hard thing to do then you'll get leverage and you'll start to put it in your, in your life and in your business. And that could be personally or professionally. So with it, when it, when it comes to a team, you know, that could be like the things I just mentioned. And then you move to a full-time transaction coordinator, which is what I did. Um, I actually hired one pretty quickly because I knew that that was something that, you know, I'm, I'm not good at paperwork. I don't enjoy it. It doesn't impact 
um, the relationship with my client. So I can be building more relationships, more deeper relationships and more by having somebody else do a lot of the transaction things. And by the way, they're better at that than me and they enjoy it. So it's a, it's a win-win. Um, and then just kind of figuring out where else you need leverage in your business or in your personal life, you know, like maybe it's like, I don't enjoy cutting the grass. Some people that's their relaxing thing to do on a Saturday for me, I didn't enjoy it. So let me leverage that. Cause I can do more with that time and have pay somebody to, you know, cut the grass for an hour and a half. So you can get leverage at home or, um, you know, or, or in your business. And that's really the key and the fundamental, I think, piece of growing a team is understanding leverage. Yeah. You, you are the maid until you hire a maid. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed that a lot, like within running a market center, we just went through something called transmittal, which at the end of the month, we're sending in all of our numbers for all that to be checked, jotting down every expense and my face, my eyes just glaze over. Like every time I see yeah. it, I went and bought them ice cream yesterday. I was like, y'all keep doing that. That's, yeah. that's not, yeah, that's not for me. And, and so people that in that example, that's probably not your thing. So you probably aren't the best person, most talented at performing that task. You also don't enjoy it. That's a perfect combination for something to be leveraged, you know? So that's like, okay, how, how can I get somebody else that can do that better than me, faster than me and enjoys it more than me. So it's a win for that person, for them. And then for me, it takes that task off my plate to focus on more, more important tasks. So, so during this time that you're building a team, I understand that you had some medical issues. Can we, can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to dive into that. So, um, uh, I, I built my team started in 2011, um, was with Keller Williams the whole time. Uh, before that I was with a team, uh, Ashley Wilson was a phenomenal mentor for me. Um, and is still a great friend of mine today. So um, started my team in 2011. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't want to deal with the team. I don't want to manage people. But there's such a great camaraderie. There's also a level of um, service that we're able to deliver to the client that honestly I could not do on my own. So I'm really proud of the team that we built. Um, and um, there, there's, there's situations where you might run into having that, that support and that leverage and that team behind you um, literally is, is critical to keeping the business going. So, um, if, if you don't have that, then the challenge is, okay, if something prohibits you from working, um, what, what, what happens to your income, what happens to your business for that three, six months? So, um, flashback to 2020, the short story is I, I've always had, uh, a kidney disease it's autoimmune disease I've known about for about 10 years and just took medication and in 2020, right before COVID went to the hospital, had pneumonia and then had uh, pneumonia again. And basically I never, it wasn't that I had COVID, but my kidneys were failing. And so um, ended up both kidneys were failing, had 6% um, function. So I needed a transplant. So I went on the transplant list, went straight into dialysis, which is a system where they clean your blood with a machine. Normally that's something your kidneys do. So you're artificially simulating the kidneys um, to clean your blood, get all the toxins. And, you know, during all that, obviously that's a lot, obviously going through a transplant is a lot. And um, I was on dialysis for about seven months. And so during that period, it's really hard to do anything with business. So I was very much on the back burner and my team just um, not only did they did they keep the doors open, and the lights on, so to speak, but we actually had our second best year ever the year I had my transplant 2020. So it just was a huge testament to what I started this uh, podcast with about who you surround yourself with matters. They all stepped up for me and um, kept things going, stepped up for our clients. Our clients really didn't know the difference and just a huge blessing. Uh, it was actually one of the, even though it was a lot of challenges medically, it was one of the, my best years of my life. It was, a, uh, I really learned a lot of gratitude, 
you know, appreciation for what's what you have in life and what's important, as well as appreciation for who was around me. So it was a pretty special, special year for me. Um, and luckily for me, it timed out perfectly with COVID. So I'm sitting at home on a machine. Everybody else is sitting at home with a mask on. So um, it was like the perfect year to have a transplant. So, um, but, but I think, that, yeah, the takeaway was just that, that business, when you have a team, you have a business, when you are, you know, a single agent and you're just operating alone, you're kind of just a self-employed. So you have more of a job. And the problem is when you don't show up to that job, things don't go. When you have a business is when you can step away like that, whether it's on purpose for a vacation or whether it's forced on you with a medical issue. The business with the right people. The business with the right people keeps moving. So, um, so yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great experience. That's the quick version, but, um, you know, I think it was pretty powerful. That's, I, I, that's not the advice I was expecting that the best time to, uh, you know, have a kidney transplant would be during a pandemic. So that's good to know, yeah. like for yeah. next time. Yeah, everybody else is on Zoom. So I could be on Zoom when I'm at home hooked up to a machine or in a hospital. You can still be on Zoom. So it was pretty, pretty, again, just another one of those coincidences, but a good blessing for sure. So during this, during this real estate journey you've gone through, you've had the opportunity to invest in market centers. How did that opportunity come about? Honestly, a lot of times opportunity shows up when you're just really kitting out of the park with your current role, you know? And I think that's what the thing I love about Keller Williams and there's other companies like this as well, but opportunity will show up to you when you're doing things the right way and you're exceeding at a high level. So a lot of it was just um, producing at a high level and, um, some doors opened up based on situations. And so I was able to, um, invest in market centers. That's the same thing for, you know, investing in other ancillary businesses, you know, whether it's title or mortgage companies or insurance or other things like that. So, or even investment opportunities, like, um, somebody wants to build a commercial building or, you know, go buy a, a big piece of property and build a couple homes on it. All those kind of things can, can open up doors when you're succeeding for, for multiple reasons. Number one, you're showing, you know, that you know how to run a business at a high level. And number two, you have the income to invest, right? So that's the other part of it is like the opportunity can come along, but if you don't have the money for that opportunity, then, you know, you have to pass on it. So um, I think the best thing you can do is to um, just crush it in the role you're in. And, you know, Gary always, Gary Keller always says you're, you're, you know, you can, you overestimate what you can do in one years and one year and you underestimate what you can do in five years. And I think that's very true. And I've seen that a lot, like where I've been able to get in five years, I would have never dreamed. And then a lot of times I'm overestimating what I'm trying to do in one year. So I would, I would encourage, you know, anybody listening to still aim high on their one year goals, but that's usually where it stops. So I think taking the time carving out um, the opportunity for you to get alone and really think about what is your, what is your passion? What's your purpose? And then what does that look like in five and even 10 years out? And then don't be afraid to, you know, don't let your, your, you know, conscious tell you, well, I'm never going to do that. You know, you can, you can really build anything you want to build in that five-year window. It's just, it's a long enough period of time. So just think big and, and believe it and then, and then work your way backwards. Okay. If I want to be there in five years, where do I need to be in three years? And then if I'm going to be there in three years, where do I need to be in one year? And then if I'm going to be there in one year, what I need to do the next month just to push me toward that. And I think just breaking it down and then making it attainable short goals. Um, another book I love that we've used is the um, 12 week year. I, I can't remember the author off the top of my head. But yeah. But it basically just breaks down your goals into 12 weeks, which just seems a lot more attainable. And so like for us, if it's sell 200 homes a year, it's not about selling 200 homes. It's about, okay, how do we sell 50 homes in the next quarter? 
And then what do I need to do to sell those 50 homes? And what does that look like? And what are the numbers? And then break that down even, you know, by, by month and week. And then, you know, what am I doing to work toward that number? So find, find goals that are obtainable on a shorter window. And then you also have that, that time crunch to, to get it done in that, in that time period. That's great advice. So, so with the coming year, so as we're going through, everybody's talking about this shift as we're going through this, have any of your plans changed? Has your 12 week year, you know, changed uh, or are you doubling down or anything? Are you taking things away? What's going on with your plans there? Yeah, great question. Um, I think that's another thing I love about the 12 week year is that our market, we'd all agree is shifting very rapidly. So, you know, the old mindset was do a, do a annual goal or annual planning and do it like say September, October, November of the previous year. And the problem with that is like the market in June of 22 versus when you were making your plans for the year in October of 21 could be very different. And I think we all would agree they are. The market is different right now than it was. So um, that's, again, why I like that breaking it down to a 12 week period, because you might have to kind of change plans into your to your point, revamp. What am I doing differently, et cetera? I think a lot of what we did starting the beginning of the year was foreseeing this shift. So we started doing some things to tighten up on expenses, really look at um, holding everything accountable. So is this making us money? You know, um, if not, can I replace it? Can I get rid of it um, altogether? Um, you know, can I find another way to pay for it um, to offset it? Um, or can I reduce it? You know, maybe I keep it, but I reduce it. So looking at different ways to cut expenses, but at the same time grow. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with getting refocused on that lead gen and making sure that's sometimes even a bigger part than it was of your day. So um, by, by reevaluating that every 12 weeks, you don't ever get where your plan is stale, you know, or um, out of touch with what you need right now. So you're able to make those transitions. So I would definitely encourage that kind of habit Just sit down. And, and a lot of it comes down to, for me, I've learned like you have to carve out time to work on your business. So we're all so busy and we're just in the business. Boom, boom, boom. We're showing houses. We're going to appointments. We're at closings and you've got to carve out time to work on the business, to stop, slow down, find a quiet place and reflect on, okay, what is my goals? What do I want the next 12 weeks to look like? What's working? What's not working? Um, have a PL, look at your PL. A lot of things that I wasn't doing for a long time. Um, but those are the, the, you know, we, we always say numbers are the language of business. So if I'm not looking at my numbers, um, whether it's my PL and also like my multi-year trends, which is something that Keller Williams does for me, um, those are really helping you see where are your individual trends going, what, what are things looking like? And then obviously also looking at the numbers of the market and evaluating if you're in Apex, North Carolina, whether you're in Durham, wherever, what's going on in the market as well and having their finger on the pulse. Um, those, those things take time. So you have to carve out the time, but they're important for you to be the, the local expert. So I would highlight that's something new I've learned. Like I'm still learning. I'm in a, a point in my life where I'm learning a lot more about money than I ever have. Yeah. And just knowing that the richest, most successful people, they spend a lot of time just looking at their money, understanding where it's coming and where it's going. And it gives you a lot of clarity on what you need to do to pivot and shift in the future. So I think that's also some really good advice there. So yeah. it, the best way I've heard that is kind of like if you just said, I'm going to drive south or I'm going to head toward Florida versus like mapping out, you know, your route and having like the actual roads and where you're stopping. And, you know, what I mean, like that's kind of the difference. So um, if you just started heading south, you may or may not end up in Florida or you might end up in Texas. Right. But if you have a plan and a roadmap and you're checking like, you know, like your GPS does every 
millisecond, like I'm on the right path. Where am I going? So that's what you're doing. You know, that's even why we call that one, uh, you know, document the GPS. It's just like, it's outlining where I'm going. And then it doesn't mean you can't change. So I can, I can change course at any time. I reserve the right to change my plans. Um, but it's, it's about taking the time to really focus on looking at, you know, looking at it from a high level as if, you know, take yourself out of it for a minute and just look at it as if you were a consultant on your own business and what would you change or advise, you know, to do more of. So, yeah, there's a reason you don't like to stop at the gas station to ask for directions, right? You'd rather have a GPS to map it out for you ahead of time. Exactly. Exactly. Well, great, man. Well, any other points of advice, anything else you want to give us today? Um, I think, I think what you said, like, I think my, a lot of my future plans probably revolve around, um, wealth building and, and helping other people build wealth and learning more and more about money. So I'll definitely encourage what you had just said, everybody listening to take your lead and, and continue to focus on, um, one of the biggest deficits I see is people not having knowledge around money and how to, how to manage it, how to invest it. And, you know, nobody really gets rich, um, out of their salary, you know, like there's people that make really good salaries, but they're not getting wealthy from their salary. They're, they're probably investing, you know? And so just trying to, um, continue to learn more about that myself. And then also share that knowledge with, you know, with other people, um, me and a good friend of mine, Dylan Haler, um, we teach a quantum leap class for kids. So it's, it's basically like the basics of money. Um, we've also taught QL for kids, um, as well. And I just enjoy that because it's, starting off at a really early age, it's like an 18 to 28 age group um, and teaching them about some of the basics of money so that they can take those things and, and they have the time on their side. That's the big variable that they have when it comes to investing is they have time. So if you can get them understanding money at a higher level, it's pretty exciting. So I, I, I really enjoy that and look forward to doing more of that in the future. It's awesome. I had the opportunity to do that with Gary Keller twice. Yeah. And it was extremely eye-opening on just a different way to think about planning for your future, planning for your wealth, planning for your job, all those different things. And you don't even realize at that age, you know, I took it when I was 21, the difference between building a business and building wealth. Well, you got to work on that business, but your wealth should happen passively. And yeah. I had never even heard that before. It blew my mind. That's awesome. So how can people, if they want to send you a referral or something like that, how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, sure. Um, my number is 919-818-7016. Uh, realty.com is our website. So feel free to reach out to me. You can Google me and um, we'd be happy to help. We work the, you know, the triangle. So central North Carolina, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, down to, you know, we work about 13 counties. So happy to help and happy to talk to you by offline if they want to reach out. So. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, Matt. Thanks. Thanks, And guys, we will be coming out with these every single week. So look out for that. Subscribe to it. Uh, Leaving us a like and a review really helps us out. This is number three, and I appreciate your time. Have a great day, everyone.